Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll, and this is What Do I Know? It's been on my heart for a while now to talk to you about prayer. I've come to understand that when I've been led to talk to you on a subject, God has something to teach me. And I found over the course of this podcast that process isn't always an easy one. My pastor preached a sermon recently, and in it he said, sometimes you have to just let the message speak for itself without trying to add something to it. I understood that to mean that we don't always have to explain why the message is good, but just deliver the message and let the message do its work. I believe that's what God was trying to show me in this one. The message is prayer, and prayer is calling on the name of the Lord. We find that men started to call on the name of the Lord in Genesis 4 and 26. And it says, starting in verse 6, And to Seth also a son was born, and he called him Enosh. And at that time men began to call upon the name of the Lord. I didn't understand at the time that calling on the name of the Lord had any other meaning than to ask for help. For guidance, for provisions, for any number of reasons why men call on the name of the Lord. I looked up prayer for a, for a definition, and what it says is prayer is defined as a deliberate act of communicating with God. I guess it's up to the person communicating what that prayer is. Then I had to ask myself another question. Is there a right way or a wrong way to pray? Well, that made me think of the Lord's Prayer as it was given in Matthew 6. Now, this is a part of the Beatitudes where Jesus teaches us what is right and what God wants in us, and what we should do to be mindful and pleasing God. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, I took that prayer to heart, and I have prayed it my entire life. The why is simple. If it was good enough for Jesus, it was good enough for me. And who was I to come up with a better one? Since then, I've heard many people proclaim that Jesus was giving us a guideline on how we should pray. And he didn't exactly mean for us to pray that exact prayer. And that may be so. All I can say is what I believe now. And I believe that Jesus taught us this prayer to remind us of what's important when we pray. We know by reading the Bible that God emphasizes the importance of remembering. And we find that the word remember is used around 352 times in Scripture. Now, if you add to it to be mindful of, to recollect, or to retain, that number sheets up to over 500. Let's start in verse 5. And it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their full reward. But when you pray, go into your inner room, shut your door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the first part was the don'ts. Don't be like a hypocrite. Well, what is a hypocrite? Well, the word hypocrite comes from a Greek word that means play actor. A hypocrite is someone pretending to be something he or she is not in order to receive some kind of recognition or gain. It says that when you pray, do not babble on like pagans, for they think they are heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now this passage reminds me of the passage in Romans 8, 
starting in verse 26 when it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I have a men's group leader named Darren, who I've come to respect and admire for the heart he has had for God. And knowing that he seeks the will of God with all his heart, I'm mindful of what he says because I know that God is with him. I find that when I'm in a difference of opinion with him, it's overwording. Now, I know he's a man who follows his heart because he's confident that his heart is for the Lord. And he does by faith what I try to adhere to by God's word. He has told us on many occasions to be specific when we pray. Because if it's not important enough to us to bring it to mind, then why should God be mindful of it? Now, this has become a source of contention with me. And not for any reason you might think. I often struggle with words when I pray to God. I know that if I took the time to write down and rehearse what I'm going to say in prayer, then God's already heard the speech. He knows my heart. Why don't I just trust him and go before him, knowing that what needs to be said will be heard. And even if I just sit there praying, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner, and I'm unworthy to ask you anything at all, that God will take care of all those little things in my life because I was more concerned about submitting to him. I have often been told that I have never gotten past my upbringing and doctrine and God's judgment. And that's very true. God knows my heart and my heart is guilty. So when I come before him to prostrate myself in humble submission, then that's the first thing I want to do. Do I then worry that God is not going to watch over my family? Is he not going to take care of all the many things that weigh on my heart as I go through my day. Let's continue in verse 9. So then this is how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I said I believe Jesus gave us this prayer to remind us of what's important when we pray. He leads out with our Father whom we are addressing when we pray. It's He who we petition and who is in heaven. Hallowed is His name and His kingdom and His will is what we seek. Lest we forget because we are focused on what we want. Then Jesus reminds us that God is the one who provides all things to us. And it's not by our own hands that we get and are fed. God feeds us. He shelters us. If we have clothing, he provides for us. We need to be reminded that God who's providing, and we should go to him in prayer, and it's okay to ask God for things. We just have to be mindful of why we're asking. And then Jesus reminds us that we have to forgive to be forgiven. And I know a lot of Christians who no longer worry about sin in their life because of what Jesus did on the cross. But let me give you some scriptures to explain why you need to continue to repent 
as Jesus reminds us here. 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 10. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do what is good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are inclined to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. John 9.31 says, We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone who is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Micah 3.4 Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. Proverbs 28.9 If one turns away his ears from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. James 4.3 You ask, and you do not receive because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your passions. John 4 and 21 Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. We have to continue to seek to do what is right, to repent and be obedient to God. So then Jesus goes on to tell us that we should pray that we not be tempted and that we should ask for deliverance from the devil. Remember in Luke 22, when Jesus said to Simon, who was called Peter, but in that instance, he referred to him as Simon to remind him that he struggles with who he once was. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus reminds us that each of us will be tested and that we should pray as Jesus did for them that we not be overcome by our temptations and that God would strengthen us to withstand them. He also reminds them again in the Garden of Gethsemane. We also read that in Luke, the same chapter, but in the 45, 45th verse. It says, when Jesus rose from the prayer, he returned to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from their sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked. Get up. Get up and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. It is important that we remember and are mindful of the things Jesus told us to pray for and pray about. That is why I continue to recite the Lord's Prayer as I do. Least I forget. There's one passage in Scripture that has often bothered me in my prayer life, and that's James 1. Start in verse 6 where it says, But he must ask in faith without doubting. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not that man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This passage often leads me into conviction because I often struggle with my worthiness versus God's promises. I have at many times felt that those promises are for everyone else. But because I should know better as one who studies the word, and who truly believes, and when I still stumble and fall, how could this still be? How could I still be included in all these promises? As someone who has spent a considerable amount of time in the Old Testament, you would think by now I would have figured out that as mad as God got with Israel, as a people, and how he had many times, in many instances, put the beat down on them, that he never gave up on them. 
And that means the same thing for me. All he has ever showed me is love and give and forgiveness. And that may be why I struggle with it. I know I have deserved a beating. But all I've ever gotten is the hug instead. Instead of being restricted to the altar for constant crying and wailing before God, I've been allowed to speak his word. I've been given a ministry to share my struggles, to share my beliefs. To say I'm unworthy is an understatement. But to say God is worthy is an understatement. I thank God every day for his promises, for his steadfast love, and for his forgiveness. Now, I have a lot more to say about prayer, but I'm led at this time to end this here. But before I sign off, let me give you a couple more scriptures to help remind you. First Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray at all times in spirit with all prayer and supplication. And remember Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, if you have faith and you do not doubt, not only will you do what I have done to this fig tree, but even if you were to say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. If you believe, you will receive what you ask for in prayer. The only way I have found to keep myself from being distracted by this world is to stay in constant prayer. That I go before the Lord about every situation all day and at every moment lest I forget. I'm still far from perfect at it. And even when I have the best intentions, I still stumble. But they are a lot fewer and farther in between. I love you guys. God's peace to you. Goodbye.